Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. We are on part five of our sermon series. Next Sunday, we close it out with a sermon series that we've entitled, or a collection of talks that we've entitled, Fresh Air. Has, has, have these messages been blessing anybody's life? I hope so. They've been blessing my life. I know that I have been a place, uh, oftentimes I find myself in a place where it feels like I can't breathe. And if you haven't uh, been with us lately, we've been talking about this place known as the doldrums. And you might be tired of that phrase. We've said it a lot. The doldrums are a place along the equator, the hemisphere of, uh, is that the equator of the hemisphere? I think so. Um, if not, you know what I mean. Right there, zero, uh, zero latitude right there, uh, where the winds of the northern hemisphere and the winds of the southern hemisphere, oh, that's what a hemisphere is, where the winds of the northern hemisphere and the winds of the southern hemisphere, they cancel each other out, which doesn't sound like a bad thing because there are some people who probably don't like wind, but wind is a good thing if you're on a sailboat. And in the past, before there were motored vehicles or motored boats, if a sailboat found himself in the doldrums, he would not survive long because without the wind, his boat could not move. He would float. And floating is okay for a little bit. But how many people know you can even die floating? And what we've been talking about, there are people in our lives, maybe us, maybe some of us can identify, who we don't feel like we're drowning. You know, I can't point to anything in my life that would say I'm drowning. Like, I'm paying the bills. Like, my kids got teeth, and they got clothes, and, you know, insurance, and I'm, I'm pretty good on those things. I, I don't feel like I'm drowning, but I don't feel like I'm going anywhere either. I feel like I'm floating. I feel like there's a lifelessness, a windlessness. And, uh, and, and, I, and I wanted to encourage you with this verse today. I know it doesn't sound very encouraging. I'll read it again. Uh, Now the earth was formless and empty. Amen. Hallelujah. And darkness was over the darkness. Yes. It doesn't sound like a moment that you would shout and say amen, but I do think it's encouraging because isn't it interesting that before God got a hold of the earth, the earth itself was in a doldrum. It was formless without purpose. It was empty. And it was dark. I feel like that's the best description of the doldrums that I could ever come up with. Formless, empty, and dark. And why in the world would that verse encourage you? Well, because when we normally find ourselves in that place of emotional confusion, you know what the first thing we tell ourselves is, right? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why aren't I more excited? I got a beautiful wife. I got a job. I got great kids. I, 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 I got a, you know, full ride to school or I'm in school. It's not a full ride, but I'm in. They let me in. Who knew? You know, I, I, got, I got some things to be happy for. What is wrong with me? If I can't find this peace, if I can't find this joy, what am I doing wrong? But what if you're not doing anything wrong? What if formless and empty and dark is just the natural state of something or someone before God gets a hold of them? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a boat that's floating. It's floating. If you want to find out why it's not moving, stop looking at the boat and start looking for the wind. The wind is the thing that moves it all and pushes it all. So there might not be anything wrong with you. You might just need some wind. Wind. I love people who say W's like H's. Why? Where? What? The wind. Sounds more spiritual. And that's why I highlighted 
on the notes up there, verse 2, but the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Interesting thing about this word spirit, it's, a, it's not an English, it's an English word, but it's not a Hebrew word. I don't know if you know this, but your Bible was not written in English because the events did not happen in England. It happened in Israel. And so it was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and the New Testament was written in, in, in Greek. And there's a word there for, for spirit. We're going to teach a little Hebrew today, okay? And it's, and it's called ruach. And you got to pronounce the because if you don't, you know, God's not going to bless you. And so we're going to test it out a little bit, okay? It's called the ruach. Say it, ruach. That's good, good. Someone just spit on somebody. That's okay. It's okay. It's called the ruach. And, uh, and, and the interesting thing is when the English translators got a hold of the Bible, they could not find a word in the English language that, that meant what that word meant. And so they created a word. And so you'll find the word spirit 800 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And every time that you find it, it is not spirit. It actually means wind. And it actually means breath. Now, now, that's important because the very next thing God does in verse 3, if you've got that far, hopefully you didn't close your Bible after verse 2. If you get to verse 3, the Bible says, and then God said, just a test. If you've, we're a church for people who don't know the Bible, but he said, let there be, amen, let there be Krispy Kreme. That's what he said. That's what he said. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And you know what's interesting? That the breath of God was there. Right there alongside God creating everything, which makes sense because when you speak, what happens when you speak? Breath comes out, right? That's why we carry mints. Because when we speak, breath comes out. And, we used to, and that's significant because I was taught that it was the words of God that created the world. But it wasn't the words of God. It was the breath of God that created the world. It's like the opposite of that joke that we used to have in, in, in New York. If somebody, if you had a friend and you could really be honest with them and his breath was just bad, you'd be like, bro, your breath is killing me. Well, this is just like that, but the opposite. God's breath brings things to life. Every tree that has been planted, it comes up, it's God's breath that brought that up. When God said, let there be light, it was his breath that formed the light. When God said, let there be birds, it was his breath that formed the birds. When God said, let there be uh, a fish and the, and the land, it was his breath that brought that up. Now listen, I'm not sharing this with you to share a theology lesson with you. I'm sharing this with you to share a solution with you. The thing is, you are looking on board your boat for the means to start moving and progressing in life. But what you need is not on board your boat. What you need comes from the creator. What you need comes from the wind. What you need comes from the spirit, the breath, the ruach of God. It's freeing in one sense because you can stop looking at yourself, but it's also terribly uh, uh, vulnerable because now you have to turn to God. And that's not always easy. And I want to tell you where I learned this, okay? I learned this watching the very theological and philosophical hit TV show 90s known as Baywatch. Now, don't judge me. I didn't know Jesus back then. And Baywatch was full of theology. Not really. Um, but it's what I say to myself to justify it. Uh, I'll never forget the day I saw uh, David Hasselhoff run. Uh, that's the only person I saw running, David Hasselhoff. And uh, <laughs> ran. And uh, there was somebody who was on the ground. He was unconscious. And he ran to this man who was unconscious on the ground. And here's why this is significant to me. Here's why I brought it in the message. It was the first time I ever saw anybody do CPR. And, 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 it's, and, he, and he gets on his knees and he's all sweating and he, he goes, push, push. He goes, pulse. Dude's dead. Listen, push, push. Push, push. Breathe. And on the, and on the, and on the breath, the person, right, always, 
comes back to life. And it was always the third breath. Because on the third day, you know what I'm <laughs> I can get spiritual. I can spiritualize anything. I can spiritualize Baywatch. I can spiritualize chewing gum. Amen? Your faith is like chewing gum. The devil tries to rip you up, and he tries to, he tries to bend you, and he tries to, but I will be bent, and I will be stretched, but my faith will never be dissolved. Amen? Hallelujah! It's like freestyling for me. I enjoy it. It's like... <laughs> it's like and he breathed. Now listen... He never came back to life on the push. He always came back to life on the breath. And I want to share that with you today because so far in our pursuit of fresh breath, we've been introducing a lot of practical things like choose to appreciate life, push, push. Take, take a break, take a Sabbath, push, push. Right? Uh, don't worry, push, push. But you can push, push all you want until the breath comes in. You'll never come fully back to life. It, was, it won't happen, and I'm going to prove it to you. Now, I need your help. I need, I need full-on engagement here, okay? You promise you're going to do what I'm about to tell you to do. The only way you're going to get the revelation, all right? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to take your finger. I need you to pinch your nose. Pinch it right now all over this place. If you're not doing it, you're in rebellion. The Lord will stand a light link to you right now. Come on, I'm looking. I see you're not doing it. If you don't have a medical condition, you need to pinch your nose, okay? Uh, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to tell you to do one more thing and then one more thing. All right? When I say three, I'm going to ask you to close your mouth, i.e., stop breathing. And then after five seconds, I'm going to ask you to do something else. One, two, three. Okay, keep it. In five seconds, I'm going to ask you to do something. One, two, three, four, five. Here's the thing I'm going to ask you to do. With your mouth closed and your nose shut, uh, now live. Let go, sir. Yeah, we don't want you to die. Uh, yeah. Now live. Can you do it? No, you can't. You know why? Because what you need is not inside of you. So you can only push yourself by yourself for a while, but breath, breath is borrowed. That's significant because if you look at yourself, you've got brain matter. You've got muscle tissue. You've got organs. You've got blood cells, but none of it works without... And you can have a great job, and you can have a beautiful wife, and you can have friends, and you can go to a great church. I said, you can go to a great church. You can go to a great church, but none of it works without the spirit of the living God. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 33. The spirit alone, the breath, the wind alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit today. Why? Because human effort accomplishes nothing. I don't know about you. I don't get frustrated when I fail and I know what I did wrong because it's a learning moment for me. You know what disappoints me? When I gave it my all and I still failed and I have no idea why I failed. When my effort isn't enough. When what I'm doing is not enough because in those situations, really the only option you have is to quit or... You know, in my house, we have some, some, some bad words that we don't say outside of the list of normal bad words. Obviously, you have the four-letter ones, um, but we have some other ones that my kids are not allowed to say. One of them is, I'm joking. That is a curse word in my house, okay? Because my youngest son, Zane, he's, by the way, these rules are all for him. Pray for Zane. He needs Jesus. Because this is what he'll do. He'll, he'll karate kick his brother. Then when I ask him why he did it, I'm just joking. 
I'm like, all right, tell that to the police officer, okay? <laughs> when I call him, because I will do that. No, I'm just kidding. The other one that he says all the time, and you have preached this before, he loves to say, I can't. Loves it. He says it when he, when he, when he can't get peanut butter on his bread. He's just in the, in, the, in the kitchen all depressed eating bread because he can't get peanut butter on it. And then when he tries to put on, when he tries to put on his pants, he'll leave the house naked just because he can't. And I've told him, I said, listen, I said, listen, don't ever say I can't, I tell him. I said, instead of saying I can't, here's what I want you to say, I need help. Because you can do anything with the right help. You see, you find yourself in a situation that seems impossible because your effort is not getting the job done. But maybe, again, it's nothing wrong with you. Maybe it's not impossible. Maybe you just need some help. Maybe the thing that you are getting ready to give up on is, is, is really the thing God wants you to reach out for. I'm trying to tell you that the trial and the issue and the struggle and the doldrums is in your life not to torture you, but to turn you to someone who can give you the rest of the formula that you're missing. Because you can push and you can work and you can, you can do all that, but without the Spirit of God, I want to tell you, none of it works. Now, when I said Holy Spirit, there were probably four reactions, okay? Nothing, fear, anger, or excitement. Now, if you felt nothing, that's either good or bad. You probably felt nothing because you just never heard there was a Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. The gospel's being preached about Jesus all over Jerusalem, and they didn't even mention the Holy Spirit. There's a whole group of people that says, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Tell us about this Holy Spirit. If that's you here today, awesome. Blank slate. I love it. You're going to learn about the missing piece. Okay? It's going to help you out. Or nothing because you grew up around teachings of the Holy Spirit, and you haven't seen any transformation in your life, and now you've just moved on to deeper theological things. Or fear. Okay, maybe you met somebody who said they were filled of the Holy Spirit, but they were crazy. And if that's you, I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. And there's a big difference. I know you have some trouble separating the messenger from the message, but if there was ever a time to do it, it's with this message. Or you're like me. When I used to hear messages on the Holy Spirit, I used to get angry. Because I grew up in a culture where the Holy Spirit was abused, where people who were filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit would use that as a badge of honor and I'm better than you. And then they would, they would do one, they would add one way at the altar and then another way outside among their friends and, or they would use it to, to judge or, or, or and, I, and I get that too. And I just want you to know if, if, if you know nothing about it, I'm hoping that this conversation will help teach it. If, 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 if you're bored, I hope that this conversation will help bring the passion back. If, if, if you're afraid, I hope this conversation will encourage. If you feel hurt, I hope this conversation will heal because you can, you can have everything going on in your life, but until you get some into your life, I just want to let you know, it's the, how many people by a show of hands just admit it, you've always, at some point you felt like there's got to be more than life. It's easy to admit that. I think every person's ever felt that. You know what's harder to admit? As a Christian, there's got to be more to Christianity. But I felt like that sometimes. And I will tell you the missing piece, the missing person of Christianity is the Holy Spirit. And so this conversation we're going to do, I'm praying it's going to again heal, encourage, uh, uh, and just, just teach him because you need him. You need him. And the best way to understand him is to understand him in the original context of, of what the author's intended. And so what we're going to talk about today is the wind. And as we talk about the wind, know that we're talking about the Holy Spirit because it's the same word. So you need to know three things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, you need to know the wind is unseen. Unseen. You can't see it. Right? Pocahontas was a liar. Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? 
No, I can't paint with the colors of the wind because wind ain't got no color. You a liar, Disney. Wind has no color. And that's a problem because our sense of sight is the sense that is most connected to our comprehension. That makes sense, right? You can't understand certain things unless you see them, right? Like try explaining baseball to somebody who's never seen it. Well, you steal a base. You stole it? You hit a home run. Whose home got hit? You, you know, try explaining the color red to somebody who's colorblind. Tell me about red. Well, it's the, I don't, I don't tell, explain red. Some things you have to see to get. And I would say the only exception to that is wind because you can't see the wind. You don't understand the wind by going on Instagram and hashtag wind. Oh, it doesn't work like that. You understand the wind by stepping outside because the wind, you don't get it by seeing it or understanding it. You get it by experiencing it. And I feel like uh, the Holy Spirit is so hard to visualize, and, and that's a problem, right? We kind of visualize God the Father because we have a Father. We kind of visualize Jesus because we've seen the movies. He looks like Jim Caviezel or a Brazilian supermodel, depending on which movie you've seen. You, you kind of have an idea, but the Holy Spirit, what does he look like? And, and because of that, we have trouble understanding. But let me tell you, God doesn't need you to see him or his spirit because he doesn't need you to understand him. In fact, you couldn't understand him if you tried. The Bible says my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let me save you Bible college time. I went to Bible college, spent a whole lot of money to hear a theologian who spent his whole life in the scriptures tell me about God. I said, tell me about God. He said, I'm going to tell you. We don't really know. I said, you've been studying this your whole life? He goes, yup. And we found out that we don't really know. So my goodness, this is what I went to school for, to find this out. And now, now let me not scare you. We know a lot about God's character. We know that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's consistent, that he does not lie, that he will always be there, that he heals. We know a lot about his character. But the way he works and why he works, and we don't really know a lot about that. You can, he doesn't need to be understood. His intention was not to be understood. His intention was to be experienced. And let me tell you why. And let me tell you why. Because if your faith is built on an understanding, well, I can argue you out of an understanding. But if your faith is built on an experience, I can never steal your experience. I told you I went to Bible college, not my first school. My first school was actually uh, a secular college, actually the University of Florida. So I'm a Gator, and uh, go Gators, yeah. And so I love, I love my school, and I, and I wanted to study religion at a secular university. By secular, we mean not Christian. I, I wanted, because I had been in Sunday school my whole life, and I thought I had this. It was like David, Goliath, check, check. Jonah, the fish, check, check. I got this. I want to learn some deep stuff. And I want to hear it from another perspective so that I can share the gospel with people from another perspective. So I get into my first class. My first class is Old Testament scripture. I'm like, yes, I love the Old Testament. David Goliath, Jonah and the whale. Check, 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 check. I got this. I sit in my class. The dude opens up the books. First, first thing he says is, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God. He's an atheist. My Old Testament teacher, my Old Testament Bible teacher, is an atheist. I'm like, oh, snap. And he starts teaching, and I'm confused. I'm like, Jonah in the world, David and Goliath, check, 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 check. I've got nothing. And I'm starting to get arguments with this guy, but the problem is he's smarter than me. And I remember one class, and I started seeing people in my, in my class who I went to church would stop coming to church because he just ate them up. And so, and so I'm in the class, and we're starting to an argument, and the argument was about the Holy Spirit. We talk about anointing, and he's talking about Saul. Uh, you know, the king saw, and he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the Holy Spirit leaves, always. He doesn't want to stay there because we're sinners and this and that. And, and, and I'm like, man, you don't know a lot about the Bible for not believing in God. And, and he says, and, so, and I said, but I said, what about David? And then he said, oh, yeah, well, David's the exception, and we don't know why. For some reason, God's Spirit always followed David. And then I said, well, could it be 
because uh, Saul was, was anointed with the flask, which was made of fabric, but David was anointed with the horn, which means that a ram had to be sacrificed in order for the anointing to come on him. And could it be that that connects to the New Testament and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and then the Holy Spirit came down and now lives with us for all? Could it be? He said, no. <laughs> he said, you're making connections that don't connect. I said, I said, but I know. He said, how do you know? That's a great question. I said, I don't know how I know. You know what I told him? I said, I swear to you, I told him, I said, because I've experienced him. Because I felt him. I want to tell you revival broke out. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit just dropped in that class right there and then. I want to tell you that I converted my Old Testament atheist. No. You know what happened? And it offended me at the moment, but it encouraged me later. He started laughing. He said, <laughs> you experienced it. He goes, he said this. At the time, I was upset, but it was so profound what he said. He said, you experienced it? Well, we can't argue with that now, can we, class? <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. It's like the story of the blind man in John chapter 9 who gets healed by Jesus, eyes get opened, but the Pharisees are upset because Jesus healed them on the Sabbath day when not supposed to do any miracles. And so they get the blind man inside and they say, what happened? You weren't really born blind. This was a con. They refuse to believe it. They're trying to argue him. And then they get his parents and his parents say, no, I swear he was born blind, but we don't know how it happened. And then they get the blind man back in there. This guy doesn't know anything about the Bible. He's surrounded by 10, 20 scholars. They're just saying, Jesus couldn't have healed you. He was born in Nazareth then. No prophets ever come from Nazareth, even though they did, because no, no, uh, no, uh, Jonah did. Uh, no, no prophets can be sinners. He did it on the Sabbath, and there's no way. The Bible says it couldn't have been Jesus. And the guy who was blind gets convinced. He gets confused. The Pharisees look at him, and he goes, you know what? And I love it. John chapter, uh, John chapter 9, verse 25. Look what the first three words are. I don't know. It can't be. You could not have been, he could not have healed you. Your experience could not have been, it could not have been real. It didn't have, I don't know. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good argument. I love how it ends. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. That's a good point, teacher. That's a good point, world. All I know is I was blind and what I see, see, they can't argue you out of what God did to you. They can't argue out of what you felt, out of what you've known, out of what you experienced. And you need that. And again, I'm not teaching you this so you can leave here smarter. I'm teaching you this so you can have a foundation for your faith. Because the devil will come wrapped in trials, wrapped in temptation, wrapped in depression, and say, if God was really real, or if God really loved you, or if you really had joy, you wouldn't have woke up in the morning all struggling. You wouldn't be so tired if God really lived in your heart. And you need to look back at the devil and tell the devil what that blind man told the Pharaoh. I don't know why I'm sad right now. Come on, I'm giving you some weapons right now. I don't know why I don't want to get up and go to church. I don't know why I'm struggling to love my family, but this I know. I was dead and I was alive. Jesus came into my heart. The Holy Spirit gave me a foundation and I got an experience no argument can take from me. You need this experience because the devil is a great argumentative argumentator. I went to college. That's a real word. You need to have that. And let me just tell you, that's what this whole Sunday thing is about. Listen, you don't need lights. You don't need sound. You don't need instruments. You don't need haze. You don't need, need, that's about all we got. You don't need any of that. 
The only thing you need is one second in God's presence. And God's presence will do more in one second than any, anything, than anything in your life. And you will have a firm foundation. You want a firm foundation, you need to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He wants to meet you so that your faith can be unshakable. Yeah, I'm telling you, you don't need to know much. But if you, if you have, and I'm all for knowledge. Let me just say, I'm all for knowledge. But, but, the, but, the, but the, the presence. Here's another thing you know about wind. Wind is unpredictable. John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows from wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind. By the way, what do you think that word wind is? It's right. Pneuma is in the New Testament. Same thing. It means spirit. Just as you can hear the spirit, but can't tell where it comes from and where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. The same word, wind, wind, and spirit, there's all the same, same word. Here's the thing about the wind. There's nothing systematic about it. Even weathermen who go to school, meteorologists who go to school, can't predict what the wind is going to do. And I wish that they could. Or else I'd be a lot more prepared for our Disney trips. Liz and I were going to go to Disney one day. The weatherman said, it's going to be windy. I said, all right, great. Well, I'll go with long sleeves. It was about 99 degrees. Zero wind. I got on roller coasters just to breathe, okay? It was so hot. I'm thinking, man. I would have been a lot more prepared. You know what my failure was? I put my trust in the system. Let me tell you something about God. The reason why he's unpredictable is not to confuse you. It's not to mess up your life. Have you ever had one of those, uh, those beans that could be candy or it could be like dirty shorts? You ever seen those, those candies? They call, they're called bean boozled. You know, it's like it's yellow. It could be, it could be lemon. It, it, it could be dog urine. Like, that's the taste of them. And you don't know until you, let me just tell you, the spirit of God is not unpredictable because he wants to bamboozle you. Okay? It could be the, oh man, that woman looks good. God, she, she, she could be the one or she could not be the one. And God's just like, you're just going to have to marry her and find out. <laughs> Got to marry her and find out. It, she could be from me or she could be crazy. <laughs> you're going to have to wait on that, you know. Just wait. You know, the spirit of God is not unpredictable because he wants to bamboozle you. He's unpredictable because he doesn't want you to put your trust in the systems, the man-made systems of God. He wants you to put your trust in the spirit of God. And there are people in the Bible who have tried to make man-made systems out of something that God wanted to be not a system. All throughout the Bible. One time, in the, in the, in the, in, right after this story, there's another story of another guy getting healed. And a blind guy getting healed, and his friend goes up to Jesus, the friend of the blind man, and he says, hey, Jesus, I want you to heal my friend. And he tells him how to heal him. Have you ever been in that place? God, I want you to save my son or my daughter, uh, but I want you to do it nice and easy. I want you to give him a dream. Don't hurt him. Don't do Just give him a nice little dream. Scare him into dreams. When they come up in real life, they'll be like, Jesus, I need you. Like, you ever ask Jesus to do something and then tell him how to do it? He goes up to Jesus. He says, I want you to heal my friend, and I want you to lay your hands on him. Jesus goes, oh, you think the power's in the hand? Yeah, bring me your friend. Bring me your friend. Is this the one? This is the blind guy? Ooh, can you see me? No? Okay. <laughs> Spits in his eyes. If I was that friend, I'd be like, Jesus. Did you know how long it took me to get this guy to come to you? That's like some of y'all right now who invited your friend to church, and you're like, it had to be Holy Spirit Day. <laughs> had to be Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. He usually preached on, two weeks ago, he preached on sleep. You should have been there for that one. That was a good one. 
Now sleep with. I thought he was going to preach on sleep. He, come on, my like, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sorry. Just come back next Sunday. <laughs> Spits in his face. But you know why? Because he wanted it. It's not in the hand. It's in the Spirit of God that courses through my veins. Yeah. One time, uh, another time, there was a, 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 a sorcerer. His name was Simon the Sorcerer. And he saw Peter and John laying hands on people and the Spirit of God falling on them when they were laying hands. And the sorcerer went up to him and said, how much for that, that trick right there? Straight up. Just ask them. I'll give you $20 if you teach me how to, how to make people fall down. I'll give you $20 if you, if you teach me how to, how to speak in tongues. How does that sound again? Rama, D-Lo. Can you write it down for me? 20. He's a 20. And Peter and John go, you think there's a system to this? The Spirit of God is in it. One time Moses, Moses had a staff. And, and God told Moses, he said, he said, Moses, he said, speak to the rock and make water come out of the rock. And so Moses said, absolutely, God. He took the staff in his hand. Y'all remember the staff, right? From the Red Sea, Psh, let my people go, right? He took the staff and he went, boom, and he hit the rock and water began to pour out the rock. Miracle accomplished, right? God looks at Moses. He says, good job, Moses. Now you're going to die in this desert and you're not going to go to the promised land. Moses is like, but the water came out. He's like, yeah, but I didn't tell you to hit it. I told you to speak to it. You know what Moses' problem was? He put his trust in the system because when the Red Sea wanted to split, what did he use? When the Nile turned to blood, what did he use? When he called down fire from heaven, what did he use? The first time water came from the rock, what did he use? And so he thought the power was in the stick when the power was in the system. Another time, there was some Jewish exorcist. Yeah going around trying to cast out demons. And they were hanging around one time while Peter was out there, or while Paul was out there, and Paul said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And this demon came out of this guy. And then, the, and then this group were like, oh, you see how he did it? He extended ring, index finger, middle finger. It was like a three. It was like a three. And then he went like that. And so they went around. They went around, and they started finding people who were, who were full of demons. And they said, okay, you ready? Because one, two, three. Then he had the right eye closed. And then it was more like a, like a power stance. It was more like a... Like he was lunged, and then, and then they said, they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, come out of this man. You know what the demon said? He said, I know, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but who are you? Who are you? Here's the thing. They knew the system, but they ain't know the spirit. You know the number one reason why people who visit church or, 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 or go to church when they were children, why they leave? Because they knew the system. Fast song, fast song, slow song, offering, 40 minutes, altar call, crying, holy corral. <laughs> Ain't that the system? I mean, you could come on any Sunday, fast song, fast song, slow song, announcement, uh, you know, preaching, altar call, Jesus, go eat. It's a system. And you know what? They got tired of the system because every system is empty and every system is void and every system is broke. When you fall in love with a system, i.e. church, but not the spirit, you fall in love with the religion and this is empty, guys. I got nothing to offer you. Journey Church has nothing to offer you. We got pulpits and we got lights and we got, but you can get this at Disney. Like our stuff is boom, boom compared to Disney, right? Like our singers are okay. Like they're good. But like compared to like, you got like people on iTunes, you know, they can sing a lot better. Like you got people on, on, 
on, on iPod who, podcast who's preached better than me. You're not here for any of this. This will not change your life. But the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the fire, the wind, the breath of God, there's nobody like him. And he can turn your life inside out if you give him a chance. <laughs> Losing my breath. Spirit. I need him. We leave because we make a system out of God. Well, God needs a spirit to accomplish. If you are here for the religion, you will leave empty. You open your heart, spiritual. Wow, God can do some stuff. When I was a kid, I tried to make a system out of, out of Spanish. Spanish is not my first language. And uh, one time I was preaching, it was the first time ever I got the opportunity to preach to a, a, a crowd of adults. I was 12 years old. I'll never forget. My pastor, God bless his heart, I don't know what he was thinking. I will never give a 12-year-old the microphone at this church. I'll tell you right now, he needs to, like, glow, okay? If he's glowing like Moses was in the mountain, then I'll maybe have wings, something like that. Then he could preach. But gave me a 12-year-old the microphone to preach to his congregation on Sunday. And I wanted to make the people feel at home like I often do. I, you know, I know my crowd spoke mostly Spanish. They had a translator. And so I wanted to start off the message by speaking in Spanish. And I had created a system to help me out with the words I didn't know. Somebody once told me, if you add ara, A-D-A, to the end of an English word, chances are you'll get the Spanish word, which works sometimes. For example, if you want to say, I'm employed, you would just say, employada. You got empleada, employ. You know, uh, it kind of works. I wrote another one down. Just to, uh, oh, confidence. If you want to say, I'm confident, you would say, confiada. You just added that. I was like, what happened? That's a system. I can use that. And so I got up there, and I started talking in Spanish. And I came up to a word where the system didn't apply. I wanted to say every time I preach in Spanish, I get embarrassed. So I said, I said, I said, I said, when I preach in Spanish, I said, I get embarrassed. Sada. Now, if you don't, everybody who speaks Spanish is dying. Everybody, everybody else is waiting for the translation. Hear this, hear this. Embarrassada means pregnant. So I said, I said, I, I don't like to preach in Spanish because every time I preach in Spanish, I get pregnant. The translator came over to me and said, bro, do you know what you just said? Which made me just yell it louder. I said, I get pregnant. He said, you just said pregnant. I said, oh. that was my first time, like, learning how to, like, make stuff up on the fly, you know? I was like, oh, I did? With the Holy Spirit. <laughs> pregnant with the power. That's what I said. I turned it. I turned it. Everybody said, amen. Said, yeah. <laughs> Crisis diverted, you know? <laughs> Quick enough to catch it. And here's what, I, here's what, I'm, <laughs> here's what I'm trying to tell you. I tried to create a system as a substitute and an excuse for not wanting to invest time in knowing the language. And oftentimes we create systems of God so that we can avoid the time and investment as an excuse to not to get to know the person of God. That's good preaching. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you say amen. I don't care if you stand. I don't care if you shout. That right there will change your life. Because we have created systems to try and avoid actually having to get into the, to the nitty-gritty of a relationship with him. This is what you do. You read your Bible. You worship. You come to church. And if you do all those things, God will come into your life and give you strength. But what if you do all those things and you still feel empty? Because it's not a system. 
It's a relationship. It's the spirit who lives inside of you. That's what's been missing. Not your Bible, not church. A relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. The, the rules of the Spanish language didn't apply in all contexts, but I tried to create a system that would apply in every context. I didn't know the language, and I didn't know what to do in that situation. And let me tell you, when you get into a situation in life when you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to go, here's going to make this applicable for you. When you get into a situation in life when you don't know what to do, and you don't know what to go, and you don't even know what to pray for, how many people have ever been there? You know something's wrong with you. And you get on your knees, or you sit down, or you stand, however your posture is of prayer, there is no correct posture, and you are silent because you have nothing to say. But you know something's wrong. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, pray in the Spirit. Here's what that means. It says there's a, there's a, there's a groaning or an utterance or a, or a weight. It's like, a, it's like a, I can't say it in English and I can't say it in Spanish. All right, something's going on inside of me and all I got, it's going to be ugly, okay? Just laugh at me if you want to laugh at me, but don't judge me. You might not be able to have the English. Maybe all you got in the middle of your circumstance is a, ah, ah. Or maybe, or maybe you got just a, uh. the Bible says that the Spirit, because the Spirit, unlike me today, I didn't know what rules apply for Adam and what rules apply to not. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, let me tell you, no matter the context, the Spirit brings application to your life and to God right in there. Because he knows exactly where to go. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly who to pray for. He knows exactly how to pray for him. We invite the Holy Spirit to step into the gaps of our lives. And finally, the wind is powerful. Powerful. It can generate power, it can sail a ship, and it can be destructive. I had the opportunity, now the honor, of preaching in Moore, Oklahoma in the year 2013. Now, you might not resonate with you, but in 2000, excuse me, in 13, Moore, Oklahoma was hit by one of the worst tornadoes that city has ever seen. Completely defloored the city. Over two and a half billion dollars worth of damage, over almost 30 lives lost, just completely ravaged. Uh, over 200 miles per hour wind. It was powerful. And just like that power can be scary, I know that when I say powerful, that scares some people. I, you know, again, because of where we're coming from. But I just want to let you know, we serve a powerful God, and I have no interest in serving a powerless God. And I don't think God wants you to live a powerless life. It's a shame that there's certain people in certain denominations and certain backgrounds that give power a bad name. They'll name it and claim it, and the power of God will be sick, lay hands, and the power of God will. I get it. It's a mystery. Can I tell you right now, I believe in healing. I believe in the supernatural power of God. But can I tell you something else? I don't always understand it, and I don't always get it, and I don't understand why sometimes God heals and why sometimes God doesn't. It's a mystery to me. But I am not going to allow my lack of understanding to keep me from what I've experienced and what I know is true. Here's, the, here's what you need to know. Some people say, I can't get my mind around supernatural power. And because I can't get my mind around it, I refuse to believe it. Fine. I get that. That's not your fault. That's totally understandable. But at least let me give you a black and white decision to make. Either one, you serve a God who you can understand. Or two, you serve a God whose power is far greater than you can understand. And I don't know about you, but I choose B. I want to serve a God who's so big, I can never get my mind around. If you need to get your mind around God in order for you to believe in him, then God would only ever be the size of your brain. And I don't know about the size of your brain, but I don't want to limit God to that in me. So I give him free reign. You're going to do things I don't get. You're going to do things I don't understand. Why, is it, why do we have to know everything? 
You know, they say knowledge is power, but sometimes knowledge is the antithesis of power. Look what the disciples said, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. As they were gathered together with him, he told them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father has promised. You heard me speak of this. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm, power's coming. What do you think the disciples' next, next question is going to be? How do I get that power? I'm tired of living a powerless life. No. Here's their question. Those who were with him asked, verse 6, Lord, is this the time for you to give the nation back to the Jews? They turned a the conversation about power into politics. They said that power thing is good, but that power thing, not right now. Uh, something about the, the election is coming up because that's what I really care about. That's what I really want to know. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus, Jesus wasn't in our time or day, but if he was living in our time of day, he'd, he'd probably say something like, really? <laughs> he'd probably say something like, what are you talking about? He probably would have said something like, bro. He probably would have said something like, come on, man. Because in verse 7, he says, it is not for you to know. What are you talking about? the special days or special times which the Father has put in his power, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It all goes back to the Garden of Eden, guys. We have two choices. To live a life, there was two trees. I don't know if you remember this, but it was the tree of life. Everybody remembers that one. But a lot of people forget what the name of the other tree was. The tree of knowledge, good and evil. You have to choose. Am I going to open myself up to the power in the life? Am I going to live a life that is limited by what I know? I don't know if you've ever heard of D.L. Moody. He's one of the most famous American revivalists of our time. Uh, he led, listen to this, he led over half a million people to Jesus in his life. He was a lawyer. He was a thinker. One day, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here's his story. It was an old lady. Auntie Cook was her name. You can't make this stuff up. Auntie Cook prayed for him. This is what happened when she prayed for him. I'm going to read it and I'm going to put it on the screen because you got to catch this. D.L. Moody, over half a million people. He was a lawyer trying to preach the gospel from a lawyer's mentality, logic, order, intellectualism. And this is what he came up with. But he wasn't succeeding. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought of it in my mind, there was any such thing for me, without any memory of ever hearing the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through and through me. Look what he says. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love. He, he's trying his very best to explain this. For I could not express it in any other way. But look at the next line. It seemed like the very breath of God. Do you know why it seemed like the very breath of God? Because it was the very breath of God. Look what he said after that. I continued from there preaching the same sermons with the same text. But oh, the difference now. Why do I want you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? So that you can wake up in the morning one day and say, oh, the difference I've been a Christian my whole life, or I just got involved in this thing, and I felt like something was missing, but oh, the difference now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand on your feet. Three things. I'm going to hit them real quick. Here's what we need to do this morning. If you'd like a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to hit them real quick, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Number one, you got to let go of your fears and misconceptions. you got to let go of whatever somebody taught you that the Holy Spirit was or is or who, 
And, and, and I don't know where you came from. You know what I was always taught the Holy Spirit was? A moment at the altar. It's not true. Matter of fact, I get a lot of heat from that. A lot of people come and say, why doesn't your church do altar calls? And why don't we lay hands on people? And why don't I hear people speaking in tongues at the altar? And God's not really with you. You know, it's interesting. What if that's the box? Don't put God in a box, JJ. They'll tell me, why don't you just let it free? And it. But what if that's the box? What if we've been convinced that the only way God can move is at a place up here and we get people laying hands in? What if God's bigger than even that? There has not been a Sunday where someone has not left this building in the tears of God's presence. And nobody ever laid hands and nobody ever called to the front because God's way bigger than any, any tradition or any order or any struggle or any... Done. The reason why we don't do that, by the way, the reason why we don't do that is because that's a very intimate moment and we have a lot of people who come to church for the first time to Journey Church and I don't want to have them see your intimate moment. That should be done you know, in private or with you at your seat. I don't want to make them feel awkward or not. That's why we don't do it. But God still moves. I broke out of that box a long time ago. I let go of that. I don't need to lay a hand on somebody for God's spirit to meet somebody. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. It's not in the hand. Don't worry, I won't spit on you. With the Holy Spirit. Number two, so you got to let go of the fear. You got to let go of the misconception. Number two, you got to go all in. You got to give him absolutely every part of your life. You can't tell him, God, this much and no farther. You got to be willing to say, God, take control of it all. You know that a plane crash is like not likely at all, but a car crash is like a million times more likely. Yeah, you would rather drive your own. You feel more comfortable driving your own car than being in someone else's plane, right? You know why? Because you rather have your control in life's chaos than, than, giving, than, than living in chaos in God's control. Give it to God. Listen, hey, this, this house is burning down, but at least I got the steering wheel. I'd rather just say, God, you take the steering wheel, and I know you're taking some turns and some lessons. And I'm scared because it's chaotic right now, but you got the wheel doing everything in me to not sing that song right now. Jesus, take the... No. Give it all. Give it all. My last one. You gotta have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. My last verse here. We'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I want you to know that that's just, that's not a formula, that's an order. First comes receiving grace from Jesus Christ. Then you begin to be, feel the love of the Father, and then that enables you to begin a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony, or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.